Alrighty, so we're on a podcast now. That's all it took. That's we're it, now. huh? Yeah, we're here. All right. So it's I'm here with Dr. Frank Adams. Uh, you're from Greenwood, South Carolina. Originally. And we are, and so am I, which is one of the reasons I wanted to do this with you. I've known Jeremy since he was a kid. And we're on Folly Beach, which is somewhere that I never hung out until I came with your son, Ashton, who's a good friend of mine. And uh, so we're kind of sitting here talking before about the reason why. What a, you've never even listened to a podcast, right? I wouldn't have to. I'm I think you, well. I think you would. <laughs> I think you'd like them. I mean, I know you're a good reader, but I think you would like them because there's some that are really good in it, like on a car ride or something. Mm-hmm. You could really like learn something, you know. Like I wouldn't even know how to go to access one. Well, I'm gonna show you because you. you need to you learn. Can teach me. They're okay. cool. Because uh, I listen to them like in the morning, going to like on a commute, like instead of music and stuff anymore just trying to figure out something you know mm-hmm. i'll listen to stuff about like what's going on in the market or whatever and then i can talk to people about it about on the phone it, right. yeah, yeah all day so what i was saying is the purpose kind of explain it out right i'm the purpose of why i'm doing like a podcast is i just for me i think there's a lot of negativity like just out there period in the world i think there's this like i think the news is kind of negative i think there's a lot of negativity on social media and i used to kind of hide from it i'd take like long breaks and get off of facebook delete it for a while and all that stuff because i thought oh it's having a negative impact it's like hanging around with negative people you mm-hmm. know? and i was like man that's not <clears throat> that's not really a good way maybe it was a good way to like deal with it for the moment but i was like a real way to deal with something is to actually do something so i think it's kind of my responsibility to try to replace negativity or you know not that I have one single thing I'm trying to do just try to reach more people that maybe are like-minded or anything really and so Dr. Adams is somebody that I just I I met him through hanging out with Ashton which is his son as a kid but you just always I thought were somebody that's like I don't know, a gentleman and a scholar, man. I don't know, like, I don't, I, like, you're... I got you fooled, huh? I think you're, well, I just think you're a good example of, like, of a human being, an entrepreneur. I mean, a, a green, like, us being from the same hometown, I feel like there's just something to be said about, like, where you're from and that, like, you just kind of get people like that sometimes. I don't think, mean you're exactly typical Greenwood people, but, you know... Yeah, if there is a typical Greenwood or any person, you know, everybody's an individual. That's right. So, you know, there's, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I agree with you. There's a lot of negativity in the world, and you just kind of, sometimes you got to just overlook that because negativity doesn't get anything done. And, you know, all these negative people, they think that, that by being negative and always pointing out bad things, it's going to change things, and it's not. And what I don't realize is, you know, my daddy used to always tell me it's the best time in the history of the universe to be alive. But it's never been any better than it is today. There's, you know, we've talked about the good old days, but I mean, we don't have the diseases we had. We don't have the violence we had. Even even a little bit of violence is too much, but we don't have anything like they used to. Poverty's less than Poverty's it's ever been globally. Ever been, absolutely. But, it's the best time the world's ever known. All right. But you don't, people don't point that out. I'm glad you have that perspective because I was just talking to somebody about that today and they were like, 
well, but everybody's getting so partisan now. And there's some truth to that, but it's because people are buying into that, what you just talked about. Like, they point out, talk about the good old days, talk about how it didn't used to be. But, so people kind of buy into that for whatever reason, because that's the word on the street. But really, there's, like you were just saying, less poverty than there's ever been. It's easier than it's ever been. We walked inside, it was ice cool, air conditioned. Absolutely. At one point, we would have been sleeping on a rock. I mean, getting malaria, living until we're 30. I we mean, sat out here, we were sitting out here looking at the river and, and a screened-in porch with no bugs, and, you right. know, people don't realize. I mean, we worked, I worked eight hours today, and you probably work longer than that, and you think you've worked a lot, but not anywhere near what people 50, 75 years ago used to work. And the type of work we did wasn't as hard. I mean, I have worked manual labor, but not like, I didn't have to, I didn't have to plow a garden to live. In my whole life. Exactly. I never had to do that to live. If you garden now, you do it for enjoyment. Yeah. Fun you know, or because I'm trying yeah, to be not, more healthy or whatever. because you got to no. put food on the table. Exactly. Yes, there's no been, been no better time than it is right now. And I fully believe that, you know, 20 years from now is going to be better than it is today. Yeah, it, I um, mean. Just with the, all the advancements and, and science and philosophy and literature and I mean, there's some things that, that maybe some people may not think are as good. And, I mean, I, there's some things I don't think. I think we got our problems. There's no question about that. Oh, uh, the world, you mean? In the world, in this country, oh, I yeah. think, you know, in the community, uh, their problems are always going to be problems. But um, every time there's a problem, there's an opportunity to do something about it. And the naysayers and the negative people, most of them, they want somebody else to do something about it. They don't want to get involved and do something about it. And, you know, a problem is just an opportunity to, yeah. to grow and to find a solution. So. And there's a lot of people, I feel yeah. like, that's what I was saying. Like, there's so many, there's people that they talk about the problems and they kind of like, like I'm all for, me and Leslie kind of have this discussion a lot. I'm all for like protesting. I think all that's a great, like, it's a cool right that you don't have everywhere. But I'm not impressed by like that, and then that's all you do, which I think a lot of people kind of like talk about the problem, they talk about the issue, whatever. They don't feel life dealt them a good hand or because of whatever, whatever right. well, reason, life, you one, know. One like, of the things a lot of people need to realize, and, you know, it's, I guess it's tough to realize. I mean, life's not fair. No. I mean, look at your situation in Ryan. It, it ain't fair. Yeah. You know, it's just stuff happens and you learn to deal with it. You learn to uh, appreciate what it is. You learn to get on with your life. And, you know, if you start worrying about, I got dealt a bad hand, well, yeah, you know, all of us can look at some point in our life and say we got dealt a bad hand. It's not what the hand, it's, a, it's an old saying, an old cliche. And I tell people the reason they're cliches is because they're true, is uh, that, you know, your circumstances don't define who you are. What defines who you are is how you react to those circumstances. And you can either take a negative view and say, woe is me, and it's not fair, and this, that, and the other, or you can take the bull by the horns and do something about it. And we've yeah. all got that opportunity. And the only thing really guaranteed in this country, and that's what I think some of the younger folks don't really grasp, that the only thing really that's guaranteed and that really is equal is opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, we've got a grand opportunity in this country to do and be anything you want to be. 
And you can use excuses why you can't be or why you won't be or why you're not going to be, but those are just excuses. Opportunities there. It is, and everybody of every kind has made it here at some point. That's what. That's another thing me and Leslie kind of talk about. She feels like certain groups or whatever, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not saying people aren't judged, but there's nothing systematic anymore at, like there are in some countries. Some countries, like, because you, this, you're this caste system or you're oh, that, yeah, you're, we won't yeah. allow you to do this. Like, at least here, like, yeah, it's hard, and maybe people judge you because how you sound or what you look like or whatever. Can't really get around that, but. I mean, but the opportunity's there. If you want right. to get around it, you can. If right. you want to pull yourself up by, up by the bootstrings and do what it takes, um, you can overcome just about any obstacle in this country. Uh, if if you're willing to take a risk and take responsibility. And some time. It takes like it takes time. I think yeah, it takes longer to do what people want to do than anybody realizes a lot. Or well, than yeah, some perseverance is a is a is a key 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 component of, of any success i mean people talk about overnight successes there ain't no overnight successes no. It, you know it, it's perseverance that, that makes makes it even like churchill said we will never stop we'll never quit you know they when when britain when world war ii were ready to to appease the germans and make a treaty with them and winston churchill Said nope, we're never, never gonna quit. You just, it's just like the cliche: quitters never win, and winners never quit. It's, well, it's, it's that way because that's the way it is. And somebody, uh, sorry, what was the point we just made about that? That you, with the, I got off on the church. Oh, I'm sorry, I get talking too much too. <laughs> no, but you it, just it made about, a good point. It, it is about opportunity. Oh, about perseverance. I was, perseverance. you said there's no overnight success. Well, people think now. Oh, well, they blew up because of Instagram, or they blew up because of YouTube, or because of the internet. But one thing I found is, like, the people who, even if they blew up from that, they had been doing their craft a lot of times, a long time before they got noticed as a singer. They may have been getting told no a thousand times on auditions, whatever, and then YouTube, you know, they practiced and got better and better and better, and then people heard them on YouTube, and then somebody shared their video, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. They had been doing that and for there, a long and there's time. There's something to being in the right place at the right time, and, and their luck has a lot to do with it. I mean, you can't deny that. But it's still perseverance more than anything. Um, the old saying, where there's a will, there's a way. I mean, you know, if you, if you want to do something bad enough, you'll find a way to do it. And if you're doing, yeah, and if you're doing that thing, Leslie's always like, I can't believe how lucky we are. We met each other. What a crazy way we met each other. And I, I'm like, yeah, but, I mean, maybe some luck, but also I was doing like what I wanted to do in life, 100%. You were doing what you wanted to do. We were just being ourselves and we yeah. crossed paths. And so the there's stars a, aligned, right? Right. There's yeah. a little bit of us like taking initiative to do what we wanted to do and be who we were, and then we ran into somebody like-minded. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, maybe some luck, but... You know, if she hadn't decided, hey, I'm going to run down here and stay in this hostel in Miami, and I didn't decide, hey, I'm going to try to save some money while I'm working and stay in this hostel, you know, we were just thinking the same way. Sure, sure. That's what I'll say there. We're being cheap. <laughs> <laughs> frugal. And so she, yeah. Frugal, frugal. She found out that, uh, so she's got no excuse to say she didn't know I was cheap from the beginning. Yeah, uh, well, it's all in. Uh, it's all about perspective too. I mean, like I say, you can say you were cheap, and other folks say you were frugal. Yeah, well, that's what I think and, I am. I don't have an. Uh, I took. That's one thing her and I guess are a little different on. But I think 
I don't have an attachment to money. I have to tell her sometimes I'm not cheap just for the sake of being cheap. Like I want to, you know, I just realize kind of what I have here and what I, you know, where I want to go and that sort of thing. And I don't, most people need more money because they're kind of usually trying to, trying to maybe, I don't know, like have a fancy car, whatever all those things are. they're trying to keep up with the Joneses. Right, I don't. They're trying to impress somebody or they're trying to, um, you know, they think they think money will make them happy, and you know, so they're just trying to to search for something that money really can't buy. Yeah, my mama had a great saying, and I certainly agree with it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with money. Don't get me wrong. Everybody, I like I like the things money can can do for you. But she used to say, you know, um, money doesn't make you happy. But it sure can help you enjoy your misery. That's right. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with money, uh, but it, it won't make happy. It's not It's not what life's about. Um, and it can make things easier for sure. But uh, it's, no, not, I'm not. it's not what makes you happy. What makes you happy comes from inside. I let it rip whenever I'm doing, whenever I feel like I'm doing well, my expenses are low and stuff like that, and I'm making more up. I mean, I try to be generous with it, but I just don't. I don't, that keeping up with the Joneses doesn't even... That doesn't even enter my mind to, like, when I see people comparing, like, I'm going to get this car, I'm going to buy this thing, and, oh, my buddy's already bought this watch or this thing. You know, I'm like, that, that doesn't even that's, interest me at all. That's craziness. Yeah, I don't I don't even care about it. That's just craziness. And, um, you know, a lot of times you look at, as you get older, you, you realize and you, you see people that, most people anyway, that, have true wealth, they don't flaunt it. You don't, no. you don't, you know, uh, like Warren Buffett's lived in the house he was born in in Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the wealthiest men in the, in the world and he drives a 15 year old Cadillac. Drives a 15 year old car. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, it's not about things at all. Yeah. The no. good thing about money is what you can do with it and how you can help other people with it. Right. Which is kind of my, Kind of my whole, like, I feel like MO anyways, is I look at it as just like, kind of my business model, everything I'm doing and mentally is I, I try to help as many people as I can, honestly help as many people as I can, and then that just allows me to help more people, be it family or if I can go, you know, me and Leslie, I try to do these, I think we're blessed with her job with having these benefits to fly, I think you know, we need to continue to do these like trips abroad where we can Absolutely. do some volunteering. Take advantage of it while you can. Right, and go to places and try to do some things for people that otherwise we might not could do or other people can't do or whatever. I mean, it's, you know, I don't know. That's just something that I think there's nothing wrong with going to Cancun and, and having an all inclusive resort vacation, but I really do like doing these kind of things. got the wrong mini bar. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I like doing the I like doing these volunteer trips because I connect with people and then I have like friends there. Sure. And then I they appreciate you coming. It's not just and you can still go hang out half the time too and do yeah. whatever. You, I mean, you can. I feel like when you travel, you just talk about you just eat the whole time, anyways. You know, I do. Like that's when I'm on my own time. Well, I'm like, let's go eat food. Let's that's eat. Part more. of enjoying and learning another culture. Yeah, it is. is to, is to you know, immerse yourself in it. Eat what they eat and do what they do, and that's just part of that's part of well, of enjoying and learning another culture is doing that. And you know, do it while you can, because you never know when you're not going to be able to again. I know it. That's why I'm, uh, 
That's why I'm trying I'll to... I'll pay DM, you know, seize the day. I'm trying to go on as many as I can. I haven't traveled much this year. We went on that one trip, but I've been kind of sedentary this year because I'm trying to get ahead. I'm trying to get way ahead so we can... Well, you know, there's a, there's a time and a place for everything. So yeah, you know. Just kinda, sometimes you got to work a little bit and, and, you know, build up the old battery and then, then you know, go and use it. Well, I was. Just a time and a place for it all. So, one thing I wanted to ask you, we're just rambling, but I wanted to ask you, what was your first job? Because you're a dentist now. <laughs> I was wondering what your, I think I know, I think I heard you talk about it one time, but I'm not sure. My, my first job was as a paper boy for the Index Journal. At what age? Twelve, maybe. Well, you know, back at things are different now. Back in the day, um, you know, you could do things earlier than 16, and I, I don't know, it was even 16 now, but I couldn't get a real job until I was 16. But my first job was delivering papers, and I could get on my bicycle. I lived in Belmead, and that was my little paper route, just right in Belmead. I'd go deliver the afternoon paper. What street did y'all live on in Belmead? We lived on Evergreen Drive. Evergreen Drive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I grew up in, I grew up in the mill village. Daddy worked for Greenwood Mills, and I grew up in Durst and Matthews Mill Village, and then Greenwood Mills sold those houses, and, and my mama, Daddy wanted to buy one, but my mama wasn't about to, die to, to do that, so they bought a lot in Belmead when it was being developed and built a house out there. So I moved out to Belmead in the fourth grade, when I was in the fourth grade. And he was still working at Greenwood Mills? He was still working at Greenwood Mills. And yeah, we lived in Belmead until I went to Clemson. And uh, that was my very first job, was, was delivering papers. Then I got a job, and the next job was uh, working at the YMCA in the team room. And I'd go after school, and I'd, I'd uh, there was a little place where people could come get pool balls and cue sticks and ping pong paddles and ping pong balls and I worked at the Y for 50 cents an hour Yeah. after school uh, in, in the in the teen room and when I turned 16 then I could get a real job and I started working Daddy got me a job with a friend of his working at Greenwood Mills that's what I knew about that's what I think I've heard you talking about and I worked I worked at Greenwood Mills in the summer and weekends and I made a dollar sixty an hour. You know? Doing what? Just working at the mill, or? Well, I did whatever they told me. You were I, just like an extra hand. I, I, uh, I cleaned overhead, which means it was a nasty, dangerous, really dangerous job for a dollar sixty an hour. It weren't the rules, weren't the OSHA rules and the yeah, yeah, yeah. rules and all this. Now I, I, I had to get on, on a little track over the weave room. <laughs> And it was a plank about maybe a two two by sixes put together that I'd walk back and forth on, and I had a brush and I had to brush out the air conditioner vents, and um, I did that in the summer. And actually, one of my buddies, um, Charlie Reed, he he was in class. He was my same age. He worked in one, and they had an electric thing that ran down it, monorail with blowers to blow out from underneath the looms. And uh, he fell, he grabbed that electric, just instinct, yeah. just grabbed it, electrocuted, killed him. Uh, At 16? 
He's about 16 or 17. Yeah. And uh, so I worked in I worked in the textile mill until I got out of college. I'd go home on weekends and work because it was I mean it was dollar sixty an hour. I mean that's likely good money. Had I mean, you not gone to Clemson, that's likely where you would have continued working in Greenwood at that time, right? <clears throat> I mean, well, was, you know, I don't know. I think part of what made me go to keep stay in school is every. August, I was ready to get out of that weave room. Right. You know? But yeah. that's pretty much, that was like where people worked. Like, that was oh, yeah. the biggest Back job. Oh, yeah, the people would get a job and, and spend their life working in the cotton right. mill. Now, I knew I'd never do that. I was smarter than that. But uh, a lot of people, I guess, did. Um, but then, I, I worked in there all through college doing that. And then, when I got to dental school, there was really no way to work. Mm-mm. And I, I actually I did I did a little bit of work I worked in a worked in a research lab in pharmacy school and we were researching methotrexate which is a a cancer a chemo uh, chemotherapeutic drug and uh, I did that part time but that was not you know I didn't work a whole lot doing that but got paid a little bit got a little spending money and that was it. And then I got out and went to work for myself. But yeah, paper boy, that was my first real job. Yeah, I feel like that's a that was pretty common too. That like before you could have a real job. I know my grandpa, and my daddy. It seemed like everybody had a paper route or something. That was yeah. just like young. I don't man, even know whether you can do that anymore. Young man's probably, job. Probably illegal anymore. I, I think, don't know. I think I was talking to Leslie's grandpa, and he's from like Mooresville, North Carolina, or somewhere. And he said that was his first job. Like stood on the side of a car. On like a step rail and mm-hmm. throwing the papers throwing out. Throwing the paper out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah there's no then, way you could do it now. Back I mean, then, index was an afternoon paper. You know, now it's a morning paper. But back yeah. then, it was an afternoon paper. And so I'd get home from school, and they'd have my papers dropped off at a certain drop spot, and I'd get them and yeah. bundle them up, roll them up, put rubber bands on them, or, and then just go around tossing people's front porches and their mailboxes. Yeah, something and about. I was a bus driver. I forgot about that. I was a when I was in high school. I was a school bus driver. Which, in high school, that was a kind of a common thing too. Yeah, right? they they won't let you Students do that. Students that drive Student, bus. Yeah, they won't yeah. let you do that now. But the main reason I was a school bus driver is because they let me out of school an hour early to go drive the bus. Because I remember my grandpa and them said that <laughs> Doctor Willard or somebody used to drive their school bus back mm-hmm. in the day. Like, I mean, before he wasn't a doctor then, but right when they were in high school. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was driving their bus. I go to school bus my junior senior year in high school for two years. And you got paid to do that, right? Yeah. It wasn't yeah, like I, credits or anything. No, no, mm-hmm. I got paid. I can't remember how much I got paid, but it would uh, have been too much. But it wasn't a lot. But you it know. was it was spending money. Yeah. So yeah, you know. So, well, I mean, work work is good for him. Work work nowadays. I think too many people don't value those little menial jobs that teach you a lot of lessons. I mean, they teach you. To, value of, of work they teach you interaction with people they teach you that uh you know if you, again if you committed and persevere i mean you can do a lot of things well and they, i think like you said you worked and i didn't have those kind of jobs really i worked at like i was like a buggy guy at kmart oh, oh, when i worked I was at day. a&p one i forgot about that one i worked oh, you remember you, you probably don't remember the old a&p in downtown greenwood uh-uh you know where the county bank is now? Mm-hmm. Well, the county bank used to be the fire department. 
and right beside the fire department was uh, the A&P, which was Atlantic Pacific Tea Company. It was a grocery store. Hmm. And I worked there after school. I guess I must have been in junior high. It was before I went to work in the mill, so it had to have been before I was 16. And uh, worked there bagging groceries. Yeah. And uh, had every Friday morning, we had to be there at 5 o'clock to unload the grocery truck. But uh, I was a bag boy there for a while. Forgot about that. So. No, I think the I feel like I got a little bit of that, even though I didn't work in there. Everybody in Greenwood growing up, it seemed like worked in the mill or for the mill or something. It was either the mill or my grandpa worked at Montana or something like that that mm-hmm. like that made me look at it like like you said I was smart enough not to stay in there. Like mess okay if that's what you wanted to do, but. I think I got a little bit of that, like, I'm not doing that. I saw my grandpa, like, swinging shifts and mm-hmm. stuff when I was a kid, and mm-hmm. I thought, there's, there's, life's, this isn't worth it. Now, I was probably fortunate enough as a kid to be able to just realize it and them telling me, you know, I've learned as I've gotten older, having a family, like, encouraging you, just encouraging you makes you think things like, I want to do better, I don't mm-hmm. want to do that, but I... I knew that was, I was like, there's no way I'll work in a meal. I'd rather just be homeless or be a bum or whatever than, and I didn't. Well, you know, I don't know. I wouldn't, I'd rather be working than be I homeless probably would, be a bum. <laughs> well, maybe, but I think as a kid, I just thought, that just doesn't look like, for me, it just freaked me out. I thought, man, how works at nighttime? But you know. He's going into work at night? Yeah, a lot of, a lot of people, I mean, that was their whole career, and, and the Greenwood Mills was great for Greenwood. I mean, it, it provided a lot of jobs for folks, and um, it's sad that textiles are, are gone. Yeah. But there's still jobs out there, but it's it's just hard nowadays, I think, that, that the, the rules and regulations make it difficult for young folks to, mm-hmm. to get jobs, part-time jobs and summer jobs, unless you want to work at McDonald's or stuff like that yeah. but um i mean you, they, they get you get in jail now if you hire somebody underage and i don't see anything wrong with getting a 12 year old to go deliver papers or no. do some kind of work like that and make a little bit of money and yeah they the can't work work and value 12 hours they still need to go to school and enjoy themselves yeah and all that's that, a but, part-time little job but for yeah a couple hours after school yeah can't, can't do, do it anymore so. <laughs> i know that's, that. a sad, that's a sad thing and, that and was, in those kind of ways, maybe the world isn't such a better place. Yeah. You know, some of the stupid regulations that they have out there, stupid rules. Yeah, but if a kid really wanted to do something now, they could take this phone right here and they could be selling things on Craigslist. Well, they could, or they be, could be they could selling be, things. They could start an eBay store. Sure they, could, they could. There's, there's still yeah, opportunities. We didn't, we didn't have all that back right, then. Right, right. Now, if a kid wanted to be productive like that, they, they could. They could do it. Some of them are. I mean, everybody's giving, like, young people kind of a hard time I feel like but like little kids and stuff but I mean some of them are making hey, what, what you doing we still going uh, yeah we're go- well Leslie was calling me but I'm not answering you better answer so I'm keep going no it, cut, it cuts the, the podcast off I'm you gonna keep going you better answer her that's your wife man well, you gotta learn you answer yours every time oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> well I do if it's Donna I, I answer I try to uh I try to always ask people that's been married a long time how what they do in situations and stuff because there's some sick. I mean, uh, I know it ain't all, it ain't an easy ride, but somebody who's been doing it longer than you, just like anything else, knows. So I'm always like, but I ask a lot of people before I got married, like, 
even like a random guy I met in the airport, like he told me how long you've been married, and I said, "Give me some advice. I'm fixing to get married. What's what's the main thing?" Almost every person said something along the lines of communicating or something like that. I mean, it's maybe not always the exact same answer, but I don't know. Oh, there's a there's a lot to it. Like communication is one. Compromise is one. That too. I mean, you know, what's the old saying? If mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. Leslie's pretty. She's pretty easy. But it, work, it works both ways. Yeah. It works both ways. It does. But no, marriage is not, it's not but a faint of heart. It's not easy. <laughs> well. You know. But I, I don't know. I'm old-fashioned, Jeremy. I think, I think you make a commitment, you do the best you can to stick by that commitment. Yeah, me too. It's, uh, I didn't rush into it, for sure. But I just feel like I'm, I'm with you. You're supposed to. I feel I was kind of against the whole like I didn't really want to do like a traditional wedding. I mean, we pretty much just signed paperwork and called it. Leslie was kind of the same way. It just seemed complicated to us. But I do like I did. It was for real about the commitment because I feel different now. Even like. A big thing that's been in my head since we've been married is Leslie's got student debt. I didn't think about it very much until I married her. And then I was like... Yeah, you got student debt. That's pu- <laughs> right, exactly. That's yeah. public enemy number one right now. That's the thing that's like I, I want to demolish, you know. Like, I want to get rid of that because I've just never had it. It's not that big of a deal. It's only like $40,000. I mean, people have a lot more than that. Two people, two working adults can pay that off. Oh, yeah. Relatively oh, yeah. quick. Pretty quick, yeah. Uh, she was kind of doing the minimum on it, doing the whatever they would accept. And once we got married, I said, "Whoa, how much are you paying on this?" No, all right, we got to start a plan here, and you'll be paying that forever. Get rid of it. Right. Ninety-nine dollars a month. It'll take forever to pay that off. You'll never do it. Like we got to whatever's left, we got to pay it off. And now I got to also increase, spike my income so that it'll be even faster. You know, mm-hmm. like we got to get rid of that. That doesn't make. I can't stand having money out that I'm not getting anything. We're not getting anything for this. I mean. Like, if I'm carrying some debt, I well, want to at least be... she got an education for it. What, does Leslie have any? I said she got an education uh, for Did she? Well, yeah. She did, I guess. But it's... We were kind of on the cusp of those. That's another thing that's changing a little bit, too, is people are thinking right before they jump straight into school, I feel like, about what exactly it is they're going to do. Because if, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with going to school, but I think... You need to think about what you're going to get out of it before you do it, how you're going to pay for it. Because you can pay for school. Like, you can work. It's hard, but you can work and pay for some of your school. You don't have to acquire a whole bunch of debt. Right. I mean, you can do that. There are people who've worked through college, and and they paid for it. Or their right. parents helped them some, or right. whatever. You well, know. when I got out of college, and granted, things were a lot less expensive back then, but that's, that's why I worked in the mill. My, my parents paid for half of my education, and I paid for half of it. Yeah. And when I got out of college, I didn't know anybody had died. And when I got out of dental school, I had borrowed a little bit of money because I couldn't work as much yeah. in dental school. When I got out of dental school, I owed $13,000. And we got my first bill for that. I'll never forget, I'm not living in Conway. And I got that 
you know, at first you don't have to pay it back right away. So we went, right. we went for quite a year, I guess, and didn't even Worry know. About we it. Didn't even, I didn't even remember we had it, I guess. Yeah. And all of a sudden I got a bill, <laughs> and I thought, oh, my Lord, how am I going to pay this back? But uh, it, well, we didn't really, so I was lucky. I didn't, when I see kids getting out of dental school now, they owe $250,000, $300,000. There's no way. And you're thinking, I mean, now you got to go start a practice. How are you going to ever do that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. What, you got to go get it. Now you got to go pay for a building, got all this equipment. Well, but the problem, part of it is, is, is back to keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have a car. Yeah until I was a sophomore in dental school. Okay, in Clemson, I never had a car. Right. I would I would hitch rides to Greenwood with friends, or I never really hitchhiked, but I would hitch rides with people. Yeah, that you knew. That I knew, and um, I didn't need a car in Clemson. I mean, we could right. walk downtown, and back then it wasn't anything, the, yeah. the uh, Tiger Den was out on 123, but if you want to go there, you could hitch ride with somebody. So right. I never had a car. And until I got to be a sophomore in dental school. Right. People yeah. going to dental school now probably won't to oh, drive they a Beamer while they're yeah. and all they want to be have all this fancy stuff and um, it's just it's just nuts so they gotta live in these nice apartments. I mean we lived in a we lived in a place on Ashley Avenue, five of us together, lived in a four bedroom apartment. Two of us shared a room and then everybody else had but I, I didn't share a room. I was lucky. I got my own room. But it, it was so nasty and so run down. I mean, you could look through the slats in the floor and see the dirt underneath the house. You know, yeah. it didn't have any subfloor in it. And it was just nasty, nasty, nasty. <laughs> yeah. But you were glad to have it. Yeah. It was right. a walking distance to school, so I didn't need a car. I could walk to school, and pretty much anywhere I wanted to go, downtown Charleston, I could walk to wasn't that big a deal um I ride a bike but now yeah nowadays it's, yeah it's uh, expensive it's, it's different i'm looking up at clemson last time i was up there like they got all these like dorms and stuff and all these new housing like way close to the college it's like real tall stuff and i'm like there's plenty of houses around here i'd just be living in a house somewhere renting it with splitting it with some people that looks way too nice for but i guess people you don't have a car they will they come down from up north or out west or something. They want their kid right on top of the campus. So. Well, I lived, I lived, I lived in dorms my whole time in Clemson. I loved it. I loved it. It was right, you know. Yeah, but these are not. This ain't dorms. This is like this is apartments, but they're like close. They're on like one twenty three and stuff, but they're like right. or even like right there on uh, the main. What's the main street? Clemson, uh, whatever the main street is downtown. Uh, main street. Yeah, main street. It's there's some up it too. When I worked up there a couple of years ago, I was like, man, this has got to be costing these people a lot of money. To mm-hmm. I could just look at it and I tell. I don't have a clue what it costs to go to Clemson nowadays. When I when I was there, I think um, tuition and books ran me about $1,200 a semester. And then um, room and board, and I got the meal plan because I didn't want to cook. Mm-hmm. So I always ate in the dining hall. Uh, I think room and board was about another thousand dollars. It was it was costing me probably around twenty two hundred dollars a semester. Yeah. To go to Clemson, 
and you know I could make that in the summertime, even at dollar sixty an hour. Yeah. Um, so it was a lot different than it is now. I have no clue how much it costs to go there now. It's probably crazy. I think it was probably three or four times that much when I went. About probably. I think tuition was around four thousand or something, and you probably had another eight hundred or twelve hundred for books or some crazy. I always thought books were way too expensive, like what they charge for books. Well, I never yeah. bought new books. I shouldn't say never. I sometimes we had. Yeah, to. you could just of buy the, time the used I ones. Used books I know. And they already had everything underlined or highlighted, and I love I loved used books. Yeah. Yeah, I would too. Once I figured it, maybe my first semester before I knew it, I might not have. But then I realized real quick. Oh, you just buy this used book that. You know, and teachers were putting them out too, and like making their own books and like some of the math courses and stuff, and trying to make you buy a new one every semester because they changed the cover blue or orange mm-hmm. or something. And I was like, nah, I'll take one from last semester. Same thing. Yeah. I looked in the inside. It's the same thing. Same thing. Just a different cover. Yeah, on y'all there. trying to sell me something stupid, but, but yeah, it's a lot. You know, a lot of things change. But I think uh, I don't know. I'm glad I got my, even though. The debt thing that I was talking about with Leslie's, I feel like Leslie's job now, she's not really using it. And really, I'm not either. But I guess the value I got out of mine is just, it. I mean, college does teach you, it's kind of an expensive lesson, but if you end up not using it directly for your job or it didn't pay you back the forty or 50000 whatever, you know, it kind of does make you look back and think, man, what could I have done like that? Well, you, you, you used yours when you were up there. Doing whatever you were yeah, doing with hemlock work. trees. And, yeah, that was fun. I mean, know, it was and, cool. Um, and my family, like, nobody, like, pressured me to go to school, but it was really exciting because no one had been to Clemson in my family. And, you know, my, not, there's a bunch of Clemson-minded people, at least, from Greenwood, I feel like. So they were excited about me going. And so part of me was just like, hey, this is the right thing. I, I didn't have anything better planned. So and my, my degree was fun. I mean, forestry was I thought it was was fun looking back. I was still going on field trips as a senior in college. Mm-hmm. To, I mean, we came down to Jedburg when I was a senior and went and like stayed for a couple nights and went through the forest. Yeah, that, did yeah. stuff down here, so it was cool. I mean, and I think we got something out of it. I just kind of annoying me that this we got this debt following us now, but I'm gonna knock it out. I ain't that worried about it. But it's not yours, hers, right? Well, it's mine now. Well, it's yours now. So, what did she go to school in? What she? Leslie was animal science. I think she went to University of Tennessee Martin or something like that, like right. an extension of University of Tennessee. And she was she was working at a horse barn when I met her. Like she was way into horses and kind of looking to do that sort of work. I think, but right. then I met her. And, I think she was kind of thinking about something like flight attendant and wanting to do the traveling and stuff. She just, I don't know, hadn't gotten serious about it. And then me and her met each other and hung out a little while, and then that didn't really work out. She was still kind of young. It was when I was living in Texas, and then we started talking again when I got back out this way, and she was telling me she wanted to be a flight attendant, and I was like, that's perfect. That's perfect for your personality and what you talked about you want to do. I was like, you better go. Just go ahead and get the interview and all that. They'll hire you. Mm-hmm. I knew they would. I mean, young girl, Good nice. Girl. Oh, yeah, yeah, friendly, nice. Yeah. All yeah, that. Absolutely. Exactly what they need. You know, so. Yeah. She was like, wow, they're going to interview me. And I was like, I knew they would. Yeah, I mean, 
cute little girl shows up. They can't write that on the thing. This is what we want. But right. when you show up, they go, yeah, yeah come on. Come on, we. So, <laughs> yeah, this is she interviewed here in Charleston, or where'd she No, happen? she interviewed in uh, Houston. She was living with her sister in Alabama. And, uh, who, you know, <clears throat> they weren't, I won't go into detail. They weren't real fond about her choosing to do that job. So she kind of fled down to Houston and just said, kind of real quickly said I'm going to do this interview right and went down there and Did ended up getting it and then you have to stay for like weeks of training and, right and all that stuff so she did uh I think it was like four or six weeks or something she had to stay out there and train and hmm. she kept saying I don't know if I'm gonna make it I was going you're gonna make it you just keep don't quit they're yeah, trying to quit. they're trying to make people quit don't you quit know? they're trying to figure out who's gonna cry and quit oh, and, yeah. and she, yeah, don't quit First and I had no idea because everybody now's like Ah, uh, you know, you must, you know, people think like I was met her and she was a flight attendant and I saw like, oh, you're going to get these free flights, but she was working at a horse barn when I met her and <laughs> we had, neither one of us had any idea of the like incentives about, we just thought it would be a cool job for her. Like I was like, yeah, do it. You're going to get to travel. You're going to get, I totally thought like even encouraging her, we weren't that serious yet. I thought I would even tease her when we first, when she first told me like I had she was going to be able to fly like for free and all this kind of stuff I just thought the perk was she's going to get to fly and travel for work and that would be fun you know right. and that'd be something to do for a few years I totally thought like she'll probably like marry a pilot or something you know like right. I mean whatever like this this is going to be fun for a little while and she might marry a pilot like there's no way I'm going to be able to hold her if once she gets this job or right. whatever like that's just what's going to happen but and she said, well, you want to you fly? Uh, she said, I'm not going to need Delta points anymore because I just found out I'm going to get to fly anywhere standby, and I've got these Delta points built up. You want to fly out to Houston and drive me back that way because she had to move to D.C. That's where they were basing her. And she was just going with all the people in training, and they were going to look for apartments. She said, but i got to drive my car. You want to fly? I'll fly you out here on my Delta points, and you can drive me back. And I said, yep, I'll do that. So she flew me out of here, I think. I flew out of Charleston because I was living on James Island. She said, so I flew out there and drove her back here. And then she went up to D.C. And a few weeks later, she said, I'm going to put you on these flight benefits. I can put, I found out I can put an enrolled friend and you'll be able to fly standby anywhere in United. Yeah, well, and I was like, I was like, there ain't no way. She's missing something. I didn't. Leslie will just speak before she kind of overpromises sometimes because she's just trying to be nice. And I said, "There ain't no way that I'm gonna get to fly like that." And she flew me up there to help her move a move some furniture and stuff around. I didn't believe it till I got on the plane. You know, I thought, "There ain't no way this is gonna work." Called my name, went up there, got my seat, flew up there, did it, came back, and then I said, "I was like, man, cool, huh? this is pretty cool." Yeah. yeah. She's mad that I told her. I got when I got up there. I said, "All right." You fix and make me say my least favorite word. And she said, what? And I said, girlfriend. And she was, like, <laughs> she was like, what? And I said, that was like, for you putting me, but seriously, for her, that was genuine. That's what I meant. Like, it's not just that you're giving me something. It's like, this is a big deal. This is something like probably my whole life that's a really awesome gift that I could have always used. Mm -hmm. And you just gave it to me like, bam, here, you can have this. When we weren't, she says she was serious, but I didn't feel like we were that serious yet. I thought that was way nice. That kind of pushed me over the edge. Like right. somebody's right. that generous, that's good. That's a good sign, I think. I mean, just to give you something like that. So I burn it up 
for a while with her. I was going on layovers with her, and mm-hmm. I was gonna, she'd go to Chicago on a layover. I'd fly over there, stay in the hotel. You know, she had to look, see how many seats would be open, but I I just went on layover after layover trying to learn how the system worked and what I thought my probability would be mm-hmm. actually getting on the flight. And I, I spent a lot of time. When I was selling all that metal art and stuff, I sold everything I had and just freed myself of everything for a little while. No bills, you know, really. Right. And I wouldn't pay nothing. Just went traveling, huh? Yeah, I mean, just tried to burn that thing up. Cause, and I started kind of getting permission from her. Like, are you going to be mad if I go out to California for a week or something? No. Okay. So I'd go out there and then she'd say, come meet me in Vegas. I was in California. She said, come meet me in Vegas. We're going to be staying at the Trump if you want to. And I said, all right. I was camping out in California. I flew right over there to Vegas. Place, huh? Yeah, flew wow. over to Vegas to hit the Trump Tower. Jet setting all over Yeah, went over there. There you go. Well, hey, you're young. Enjoy it, man. Well, Enjoy it. Then I said, you care if I go to you care if I go somewhere and do something like a, a big trip? And she said, no, I don't care. I don't think she knew that I was serious. I, when I got online, I started talking to Brazil, and I set that volunteer trip up. I was gone two months down there. She, I don't think she was quite prepared for that. You'd be gone that long. Yeah, and I said, well, look, if you because she couldn't, when they first hired her, she could almost take no time off. So I was kind of using these benefits that she couldn't right. really use. She couldn't do that. Yeah, but I was like, you got them. You told me I could use them. Might if as well you, take advantage If you of tell them. me I can't use them, I won't. But if you tell me I can, I'm going to. I mean, because I just, you never know. I mean, I paid like $75 to fly to Brazil. Jeez. One way, and then 75 back. Come back. And she told me, it's going to come out of my check. Just uh, At the end, she said, would you meet me? We're doing our tra- annual training in Newark, New Jersey. So why don't you come up and we can go like out to the city and all that stuff. You just, you know, just take me somewhere nice to eat and that'll be good. Whatever, you know, you don't have to actually hand me cash for the ticket. And so I took her to get pizza in New York. <laughs> so I still didn't even have to pay the 150 I don't think. Oh, Jeremy, you better take somewhere nice with you. Well, I'm going. I'm working. I'm working on it because of what I just said. Now that I think about it in retrospect, my free flights are. Uh, I'm, I'm paying. I'm helping pay the student debt off now, so it wasn't really free. So <laughs> probably could have paid for my airfare a lot cheaper than. Oh yeah, than well, that. nothing's free, you know. No. Nothing in the world's free. And I wouldn't have. Uh, Leslie is a perfect match. I I didn't rush into it. I knew it when I met her. Like she's, I didn't. I didn't feel like all this oh, crazy stuff, like whatever, but I just was like, this is going to actually work. Like, she's a little bit young right now, but I feel good about this. There was enough things in common. Where so I was how old is Leslie? 26. Okay, well, you 35, 34, Three. 3? Yeah. That's not too far. Me and Ashton are both 33. Yeah, no, not, it ain't too far. That's not too far. But when I met her, I was like 28, and she was like 22. Then it was like, I knew it when I met her. I was like, I told her, I was like, you just, I really like you, but I feel like you're just a tad young. Right. Wasn't anything wrong. It just felt like, I said, you're a tad young. You don't, I just knew in my head. I knew I'd seen enough girls at that age. I know they don't quite know what they want yet. And. What a trainable at that age too. Well, yeah, but she, <laughs> she freaked out and did exactly what I thought. Wasn't sure. I couldn't decide if she was in love with me or she wanted to get run the opposite direction, you know, didn't know what to do and. Ran in the opposite direction. Well, but she I knew. figured it out, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I just kept talking to her. She came around. She figured it out. But Ugh. I think I had to have somebody that mom would always say every time I'd, like, have a girlfriend and then it'd be over with, she'd always say, I knew 
she was kind of a little bit too complicated. You're going to need a girl that can kind of just throw some things in a backpack and head out without a whole lot of talking about it or whatever. Mm-hmm. You need to put a bikini in a backpack, some flip-flops, and one outfit and go. And, go. Mm-hmm. and that's pretty much what Leslie is. I mean, she can do it. We can go We can go real light. I mean, we don't take nothing when we go. We took too much on that Nepal trip, but I didn't know. That was three weeks. But. Yeah, most of us can get by a lot less than we think yeah. most of the time, not only in traveling but in life in general. Yeah, I know it. Ugh. I know it. I try to I try to have as little as possible. I'm not I'm not a, a big possession person by any means. But anyway, well, that was I want to do another one of these. I think we ought to do one of these like just every so often, once a month. Whenever or you want to do it, let me know. Because I like doing well because I don't really have like I said I don't really have any one topic or anything I do and I like just see where it goes talk and I don't really care at all how many people listen to it. I hope people listen to it, but my thought is like. If one person listened to what I was talking about and said, got an idea out of it mm-hmm. or whatever, it didn't cost me anything. No. <laughs> Hung out with a friend or, or got somebody. A little, you know, got a little inspiration or whatever. just a little, you yeah. know, whatever, right. Got a little something out of it. It's better than, you know, an argument. And I, and I don't, I feel like, like I said, there's so much, nothing wrong with talking about politics and stuff, but people kind of just argue about it and they say things that they wouldn't normally say when they get online. They kind of debate and say Things that you wouldn't say face to face to people sometimes, and I think that's a huge waste of time. I want to put stuff on there that's not that. It's not, and nothing I ever say is necessarily like advice. I'm not saying do what I do or do what the person I'm talking to does, but it's kind of a, I don't know, it's an example of like you can look at, you know, if I fail, you can see what I did to fail. If I did good, you can see what I did to do well. Well, wise people will take a pearl from here and there. I mean, you know, people can learn from even their most fiercest enemies. Yeah. And so, if wise people will kind of take, pick and choose what suits their needs and what doesn't suit their needs and out of anything. I mean, you know, uh, politics, religion, whatever it is, uh, there's, there's something to be learned in everything. You just look for it. Yeah, and I really think... You have an open mind. you got to have an open mind. You can't be closed-minded. That's part of, I think, our trouble with politics is everybody's so closed-minded. You're decided before you started talking about what you think and who you yeah, think it about. Like, and, you know, if, if they say it's right, I say it's wrong. If they mm-hmm. say it's wrong, I say it's right. And, 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 they, and they just have such a closed mind, they can't accept or even think that somebody else might have a valid argument or a valid idea well people always say like i think it's sad they say like don't talk and i don't do it but people are like oh don't talk about politics and religion at the bar or at some place and it's like that's sad that you have to think that way because what you're really saying is people can't be open-minded and i mean they, they can't just they got to have a side they got to try they do it like they're trying to win or like it's a team or it's a yeah I mean, is, and it's okay to have a it's okay to be partisan, I think. I mean, you know, everybody, when you get down to it in a way, is, is partisan to a degree. Has some but, kind of view, But yeah. you still have to be able to be open to the possibility that you might be wrong and be open to the possibility that somebody else's idea may be a great idea, whether you agree with them on a lot of other things or not. And, you know, be open to... 
I mean, in this day and time, I think we've lost the art of agreeing to disagree. I yeah. mean, you know, you can you can disagree and be still be friends. We used to. It's harder to do today. I mean, you can you can disagree and still respect people that that have different views than you do. But it's just it's getting harder and harder for that to happen. It seems like, which that's sad. Well, that's what I'm saying. I feel like people are buying into negativity and they're focusing on it too much when there's more positivity than there's ever been more things to be living for it's an easier time things are more convenient than they've ever been you have more choices than you've ever had exactly and so right. people are focusing on that that's why I'm, that's my only goal in any of this is just try to and I try to pick I, I would talk to somebody that's negative I'd be willing to talk to a negative person too but I try to pick people that I think have a positive light or you know at least can you know, have a discussion or just talk or talk about something that I think somebody might get value out of. I think you have some value to to bring to people, so that's why I wanted to talk well, to you. Well, I don't know about that, but uh, I appreciate it. Well, I, I mean, I know you do because I just think you're, you you are open. If nothing else, you're open minded. I mean, you just said that. That's not everybody's open minded. Some people. I've talked to somebody about being on here recently, and they quit before we ever got started because he wanted us to. He wanted me to talk to him and us to kind of script it. And me to agree on what some of the causes of problems that he thought were in the world. And I said, well, I don't, let's just talk. Let's just chat. Like, let's just talk about it. We don't have to, I'm not going to take a position. We'll just talk. And he said, well, no, I don't want to do it freely. I don't want to get back in any corners or anything. And I was like, well, this is not, I don't do a debate. I just, you, we were wanting to talk about how to, how to not have regrets. He responded to something I did. I put out about not having regrets. And he wanted to talk about things that he thought stopped him from reaching his goals. And I said, let's do a podcast on it because I like to try to help people reach goals. I feel like I'm good at finding what they're missing sometimes. Maybe not giving them the perfect advice, but kind of, you know, a lot of times people focus on the problem. And he didn't even want to talk about it. He said, no, 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 if it's not, I don't, I feel like I'll get painted in a corner. If you don't agree with what I think the problems are in the world, at least the premise of it, we can't really have a discussion, and I was like, "Yeah, oh, that's yeah, not true. yes, we can." That yeah, doesn't even make any sense. So, I already learned right there. I don't want to have people that. I said, "So you don't want you don't want to do it?" And he said, "Well, no, not if I, I want to do it, but I don't want to. If we don't at least kind of agree on some things, I don't want to." And I said, "Well, I don't know that I can agree with you on things." Well, that's sad. That's 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 a closed-minded. Yeah. yeah I said, "I hate to tell you, but you're not a." Uh, I texted him this. I said, "You're not that significant. People don't really care." <laughs> about what me and you are saying that much. I don't have that many people listening to me. We're right. not influential people. Right. I'm not well, a... Well, you're more influential than you think. Maybe, but I'm not... It's not but, like when Jeremy puts a tweet out, the whole world, the stock market changes. You no, know what I mean? But I'm like, you, dude, you we're... Probably, you probably changed some lives, though. Well, I told him you're not... I texted him and said, you're not... I said, man, I don't know what you're thinking, but you're not that significant. And he sent me a message back and said, I could say the same about you. And I said, yeah, and I would agree. We're not that significant. <laughs> right. We're just... I'm just trying to do something. It's not. It's not even anything yet. Yeah. I'm just looking at it like you know how people say, uh, just do something, even if it's the wrong thing. Just do something. Oh yeah, do something. So, yeah, like I say, ready, shoot, aim. Right. And, uh, yeah. Good. I appreciate you talking to me. I want to. Well, I enjoy it. I brought notes with me, but I didn't even look at them. Didn't even. The only thing I asked you was what your first job was. I figured we'd figure out stuff to talk about. That's well, I'll be glad to talk to you anytime, Jerry. One thing about. I enjoy- 
I've never been in too much at a loss for words talking to I, folks. I was going to say, I think that's something about Greenwood people too, or maybe upstate people, maybe just people in the South. We'd, we'll talk. We'll talk <laughs> to people. Like, well, I know, you know, you go to other parts of the world and people are real, they may be friendly, but they're going to, okay, all right, bye. Boom, they're mm-hmm. gone. And we'll kind of linger, like, so, well, you know, well, where are you from? Well, how long you lived there? Well, what, oh, do, yeah. what do you do? Yeah. What do you, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And we'll just, my daddy's that way. My grandpa's that way. Well, and that's part of the culture. That's part. That's part of being southern, and um, part of the way you were raised. And you know, it's a it's a good thing. Hey, tell me at work, like you got really killer rapport skills, but you need to get to the point about what you're talking to people. So now you'll start yeah, talking maybe, about maybe not really. You'll start talking about. You need to be figuring out what people are doing. You know, like not talking about trees in the yard. <laughs> All right. I like to just talk to people sometimes. Well, the main thing you got to do is just be yourself. That's, yeah. That's true, too. Just be yourself. Alrighty, well. Because people can see through it when you're not. Immediately. And I've been, and I've always worked hard at being myself and not compromising that, but I can even tell. Sometimes trying too much to, to work and do whatever, I can tell. I've met with someone and the meeting wasn't that well, and I went back and thought about, like, who recently, and I thought, I was working too hard. I wasn't listening to them like I normally do. I wouldn't. I usually connect with people. I I can find some common ground like that usually. I mean, I just get to talking to somebody. Right. Well, that, yeah. You, you, there's an art. There's an art to listening. And you know, it's just like the old saying. Well, we got two ears and only one mouth. I hadn't heard that. That's good. Yeah, I heard that. No, I never. Well, I might have heard it, but I forgot it. You got two ears. To listen with only one mouth, so listen. And you know, there's a in the old side. I tell people cliches are cliches because they're true. And you know, people ask a cliche. We well, yeah, ask a cliche, but it's a cliche because it's true. Right. And you know, in in any business, your business, my business, any business, listen more than you talk. Ask people what they want, and they'll tell you. Give people what they want, and they'll give you what you want. And seek first to understand, and then to be understood. And those those things that take you a long way. I knew I'd get and nobody. Some. Nobody wants to. And this is kind of kind of backwards in a way, but I mean, most people don't care about hearing you talk. They won't hear themselves talk. So let them talk. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things one of my mentors taught me a long time ago is if you want to be in control of the conversation, always answer a question with a question. Don't go starting, if somebody asks you a question, don't start off on, you know, um, well, this is what I think or this is what I do. Ask them a question back, and listen to shut up. Listen to what they say. Yeah, I have a hard time shut. That's what mentors have already been teaching me in my business. Is like your rapport's good. You need to polish up the kind of the presentation skill. That's things I've been working on. But like me connecting with people is good. I'm trustworthy, honest. Those kind of things are huge in the business. So I'm good there. Uh, but like <laughs> I kind of sometimes sell it and then somebody told me you sell it and then you buy it back because you talk too much like you, you know just say it and then 
and yeah, shut up. So there's probably a little truth to that sometimes. And all in every all of our you know all of our businesses. But yeah, if you can learn to listen more than you talk, learn to try seek first to understand before you're understood, and answer questions with questions. Yeah. And, uh, see where that takes you. And there is like. How you treat people and all those other things, that's a huge value too. Like I've been like even when I'm in your office, you are like you know about people's lives and stuff when they're your patients. I can hear you talking like about what's going on with them. Like as soon as they boom, everybody you're sliding around in the chair talking to, you're like, What's going on? You know, oh you there was a pregnant lady last time and you were like, Whoa, we're gonna have to change up the procedure here for you. Your gum's bleeding, like you know, like you you can just tell you've been doing your craft a long time is what I can tell. You've been doing it. I mean, it's not your first day on the job, you know? Well, like, I have been doing it a long time. Like, it's like, I was like, man, it's like you're so comfortable in what you're doing where I feel like I'm early on in my career meeting with people sometimes a little bit uncomfortable with me, even though I'm pretty good with people. It's, I'm still not quite in my comfort zone all the time. You look like you're like comfortable as you can be, well, like you're in your wheelhouse. You know, in my office, I am. I mean, you you got to understand, I'm I'm what I would call a compensated introvert, and I'm basically shy and introverted. And but in the business I'm in, in the business you're in, mm-hmm. you can't be introverted. You got you got to be a people person. I remember when we first when I first started doing this, and I'd come home and. Don and I, and even today, we don't talk a lot at home. Um, part of us could have been married so long, but part of us because you know, I've been talking all day long. Yeah. I mean, I get home and and I've been, she, but she would she would complain sometimes. She said, "I, you come home, and you don't say a word." I said, "Don, I've been talking all day. <laughs> I'm tired of talking." Talking to everybody. And um, but you you know, dentistry is no different than any other. I mean, I'm basically a salesperson. Mm-hmm. It's no, it's no different than any other uh, field in which you're trying to. Because let's face it, most people, one, they don't want to see me. I'm right. the last person in the world they want to see. They said that me and mine and your gig. I heard a realtor compare it the other day. He said we're like, just get used to it. We're like a dentist. People need the dentist, but they don't want to see him until they have to. That's right. They don't. Exactly. They're not gonna volunteer up. So that's why they're so. Oh, real estate agent, uh, 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 and they're backing away That's from right. you. And nobody, you know, and um, and, and and nobody comes into my office. Like, oh, I'm going to get a root canal. And, you know, that's just that's not what it is. No, but they might choose you because because of interaction, because you show you care, whatever that. Well, that's that's got to be valuable to people. Well, it is partly, but it's it's not me. I mean, but what I'm saying is it is it um, people. And it's real estate too, I think, in a way. It's everything. It's not. It's just everything. It's just a. It's just a uh, law of selling, I guess you might yeah. say. Is that people don't buy what they need. They buy what they want. You ever heard that? Mm-hmm. And so my job, and your job, in real estate, is to make them want what they need and so in, in what I do like I said nobody really wants to have a root canal nobody really no. wants to have a cavity filled 
you know. But they do want pretty white teeth that work and chew and eat and don't hurt them. So, you know, you, you, you go after, well, if, if this is what you want, then this is what we got to do to accomplish that. And I'm assuming in real estate, you know, there's That's certain a good way to put it. things people want. And then, you know, your job is to find out what they want and, uh, and help them to achieve that or to convert a need, if they need something, convert a need that they may have. And you have to figure that out. they want. You have to figure that out through them kind of smoke screening. You're not giving you all the details. You got to mm-hmm. learn. You got to be bold and ask certain questions. Mm-hmm. They yeah. don't want to answer because they're afraid they're going to kind of, they don't, might not know you that well yet, whatever. Right. I mean, but you have not, to stay on it. They're not going to buy anything unless they want it. No, no, they're not. <laughs> unless they want it. But even with selling their house, I mean, I'm working with mostly people selling their house so far, and it's like, if you just say, people, some people say, yeah, I want to sell my house, and some people say, no, I don't want to sell my house yet. And those aren't necessarily true when they first that's say right. it. Like, that, that's not necessarily true. If you don't keep the conversation going, because you keep the conversation going, they let the guard down. They eventually go, well... Yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. we thought about selling. Look at this is Ashley. Let me see what he's got. Get him. Hello? Yeah. I'm sitting over here doing a podcast with Jeremy. What you up to? Tell him to get on it. Well, what's that? Live on the podcast. Oh, really? Phone call with down the down late, down. great... Ashton Adams. Is he playing? Is he playing? Um, he's just there. Well, I'm not gonna go see Jimmy Buffett if he's just there. But I appreciate you letting me know. Where's Jimmy Buffett? Oh, I don't know. We're just sitting out here talking, really. All right. So what y'all up to? Y'all eating supper? Uh, her dad's still there? Okay. How about Ella? She's still there? Okay, well, y'all have a good evening. All right, all right, bye. Where's Jimmy Buffett at? Out in front of the Crab Shack having a beer. Are you kidding me? That's what Ashley just said. Walk down there and see him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Lord, Jimmy Buffett. No, I think I'd rather be over here podcasting. Uh, no, I've been... Listening to something that I'm having to, I feel like my whole life I've just been myself, and for the first time, I'm not not trying to be myself, but I'm trying to listen to more mentorship than I ever have, like about, because it can really shorten your, you, it's just going to take me a longer time to figure it out if I don't listen to some people, you know, there's certain well, you people know, and there's, observing other people a little bit. There's, it's a paradox, in a way, about be yourself, because yeah, you got to. Right. Y'all are going to be yourself. Well, like I said, I'm really a introvert. Uh, uh, compensated introvert. I feel like so, that a little bit. I so can, I can be you know, by myself a lot. When you, but when you are around people in the public, you've got to learn to be more of an extrovert. So it's like Shakespeare said, you know, what well, I paraphrase, but all the world's a stage and. We're actors, mm-hmm. and so a lot of times when I go to work, I gotta I gotta put on my actor face, right. and I gotta act a little bit. And you know, sometimes I see people on my schedule. I say, God, I don't want to see Miss Jones. She's nothing but a 
Yeah. You know, complainer. Yeah. You know, the other. Yeah. Nothing's ever right. And I don't want to see her today. And but. But you might as well say, hey. When I got to go in here and see Miss Jones. Hey, Miss Jones, how you doing? Come you know, on what's, in. What you been up to? How's that grandbaby of yours doing, or something like that? You yeah. got. And and a lot of times, I mean, and I don't know why she's a complainer. She might have had a tough day or tough life, or and a lot of times you can you can yeah. bring them out of that some. And so it's funner to, to do that. Yeah. It's it's a lot more fun to just do that and kill people with kindness and just absolutely. instead of argue with them or even tell them you're a complainer, hush. Yeah, absolutely. Because when you're nice, sometimes people are actually. I've done a lot of people like that way when I, in my prospecting and stuff like on the phone if, if somebody don't want to talk to me you just be way nice to them keep being nice to them keep being nice to them and they'll kind of just finally crack well a lot of times it's because nobody's ever nice to them too. that's right nobody's that, and most people you know I, I get it man like you said people don't want to see you they don't want to see me there's no reason for me to I might as well just take I might as well just know that and kind of ignore it and mm-hmm. be nice to them. Like, yeah, just be no, nice to them. I'm not going to make people think real estate agents are honest overnight. You know, it's right. just not going to happen. They're just going to have preconceived well, that's, notions that's right. that we're commission paid and, and you know, kind of hurt my feelings at first a little bit because I thought, man, everybody knows I'm like an honest, straight up dude, but not they people don't that don't know, know you. you. Yeah, <laughs> people that don't know you don't know, know you. That's right. I'm just used to being know. able to convert people real quick. I've met a lot of strangers in my life that very short period of time like five minutes ago you seem like an honest guy man or, you know and I'm like how do you why do you think that in five minutes how did you come to that conclusion but this makes it a little tougher being in a business like this makes it a little tougher just but that's alright just time I mean well like I say that's part of the fun of the game I mean it's yeah. good to have mentors I got I got a question answer from mom to yesterday I think a guy told me I, we usually do listing agreements for six months Everything was going good with this guy. I was going to list his house. And I was just double-checking everything. And he said, well, I'm going to tell you now, I'm only going to list it for three months with you. And I thought, I just kind of brushed it off. And I thought, because a lot of times people say something like that. Then when it comes to doing the paperwork, they don't bring it back up. They're just, you know, and I called my mom. I said, do you ever have people telling you they're going to only give you a listing agreement for three months? She said, no. I said, this happened to me twice in the last year. And she said, how do you know the guy? And I said, well, I, I cold called him. She said, he doesn't trust you yet. Probably, most likely. I don't know the situation. But she said, he probably just don't trust you. Go do what he says, and he's going to see that you work, and he's going to extend it if you need him to. But she said, it's because most people I know, the way I do my business, they already knew me. So, and, well, and I showed up, met with him today, and he didn't say one thing about it. Signed it for six months. Didn't bring it up. Nope, didn't even bring it up. But I think he he had met me. He'd spoken to me on the phone. He'd met me one time in person. This was our second time right. meeting, looking at each other. And I think probably the second time, I showed up on time. I did what I said I was going to do. And he said, "All right, he's all right. He's working." But you know, you got to understand too that, that I don't know how old fellow he was. Probably an older eighty. Guy. <laughs> That's right. Okay. That makes sense because back in the day, I mean, even in in. Uh, 70s and early 80s when I got out of school and started buying houses and all like that standard listing agreement was three months really yeah hmm. yeah you got you, you give them an exclusive for three months and uh, that was just standard 
Mm-hmm. So a lot has changed and maybe in real estate. And if he, that's what I say, if he's 80 years old, I don't know how, how long ago he sold a piece of property. But, I mean, that just may be what he had always, uh, that was what he was used to, you know? Yeah. Um, and. I it was mean, actually a really easy meeting. It's I ask a series of questions that I've been trained to ask because it's designed to draw out things like that that might happen in your meeting, you know, so that they don't hit you with some question that you can't answer and you're mm-hmm. not professional, you're not prepared. So I was already prepared for what I was going to say on that, and he never brought it up, mm-hmm. you know, which was, I would have asked him why, and then I, if he was firm about it, I would have just took the listing at three months. Yeah, it's going to sell. Yeah. It's gonna, I'm going to sell it, give so it I'm not worried about that. We'll go from there. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, three months better than not having it, right? But I was just wondering, like, when I called mom, I was like, has that ever happened to you? And she's like, no. She's like, but when she asked me how you made it, she said, yeah, you're you're meeting people differently than I do because you're trying to grow your business fast and all that. Right, so right. You're, I don't, I've right, never met she's been people. doing it a long time. She's got a reputation. She's in a small town of Greenwood where everybody knows. Everybody knows. Who Angel Cockrell is. That's right. You know, so it's everybody a big, knows. It's a, it's a big difference. This ain't a small town like that. It's way more competitive here. It's way, it's different. There's 6,000 agents in here. Oh, yeah. I, I believe more than 6,000. Well, like I say, back in the 70s and 80s, I mean, you didn't have these big real estate. You didn't have Century 21 and Berkshire Hathaway. You had Joe Blow Realty. Yeah. You know, you had. Uh, um, and even Greenwood, I can't even think of who was real, you know, Citizen Trust Realty. And, um, you know, Keller Lawrence Realty. They they all had their own little shops, mm-hmm. you know. It wasn't a big thing with all these, with a lot of agents and um, that kind of thing. And a lot of people, I mean, I sold two houses just by myself, mm-hmm. you know, for sale by owner. You can do it. I mean, you really can. Yeah. I mean, I I didn't go out and, and I don't have the or didn't. I mean, I wouldn't do it now, but I didn't have the marketing ability that that a yeah. real estate company would have. But you put a sign in the front yard and maybe put an ad in the paper, which that's probably passe by now. And we bought the beach house without a realtor. The um, biggest pro- some of the biggest things value I think real estate agents bring that they should bring is being non-emotional in a transaction. It's hard to have two parties that can be non-emotional in that transaction. That's really hard. Uh, usually one of them, you're pretty cool, but a lot of people can't be cool about selling their house. They just lose it. They get a deal together, and then something gets said or whatever, and then people bow up about it, and then the whole deal's blown, you mm-hmm. know, and then they go opposite ways. Or they don't think of different... It's like anything else, you know. Sure it is. I mean, you just don't think of all the scenarios. And again, things have changed. Used to, I mean, I hadn't bought a sold house and well, bought this one. Um, you probably I, sold that one, Columbia, last one you had, maybe. Yeah, right? probably so. We had a realtor do that. Yeah, but Cause what were you gonna do? Drive to Columbia and do no, that? Yeah. But I mean, um, used used to when we first started, when we bought our first couple of houses in Conway. I mean, you went and looked at them. You cut the switches on. You made sure the lights worked. You got to make sure the AC cut on, the heat That's cut right. on. But you didn't have all these home inspectors <clears throat> come over there. I well, mean, and people I, don't... You bought a house as is. Well, that's another thing, too, is people don't... Average person looks at a home inspection doesn't know what to think. Agent looks at them all the time, knows, hey, hey, this don't freak out about this, or, hey, freak out about this. Mm-hmm. We're going to ask for repairs on this, you know, like... 
A but lot I mean, of people don't. That's a, rel- that's a relatively new business, this home inspection business. Yeah. I mean, we had to have a termite contract. Had to have somebody inspect the termites. Right. But you didn't You didn't have these guys come crawling under your house and on your no, roof. No, they're checking them now. All this stuff. And, I mean, when I if I do, whenever I get ready to sell a house, I'm just, I, you're going to buy it as is. I ain't, having, I ain't paying. You know, it is what it is. And you want it, you don't Oh, want you it. can always do that. I mean, people do the inspections, uh, but... You can't make people do repairs. I mean, they can say, I'm not going to do it, or I am going to do it, or I'm willing right, to do right. it. Right, or they can say, well, I, you know, if they don't want to do it, they don't have to buy the house. Right. It's all kind of... Because but again, any, that's any what... House, I imagine any house you go into, you can find something. They do. I mean, an, an inspector doesn't go in and not find anything. But like I said, it's... Well, that's, that's their job. You so need to have a... You, the point of an agent is to be able to tell you whether or not you need to be concerned about that or at right. least explain it to you or, right you because know. i mean saying if they didn't if they didn't go and find something that needed to be fixed then there's no reason for the inspector because i've had ones i've had listings that were pretty good listing you know we were up front about things going on with it. it was old it had had some structural issues in the past but it had been fixed there was warranty work all that stuff you know, first time home buyer just freak over the inspection when we already told them that before but they see that inspection, they never bought a house before, and they freak out. And their agent, I don't think, I'm not saying the agent should tell them to buy it, but if they're shopping in that neighborhood and they're shopping in that price range, I feel like a good agent needs to tell them, this is kind of what you're going to get for the money. Mm-hmm. This is what you're getting for, you know, Excellent. this amount of dollars. This is right. what they're going to be. We might can find one a little better, but, you know, this, you're going to get things like this, so. You know, removing the emotion is one thing I'm really learning that, uh, because I've, a couple times I'm not super, I wouldn't normally be super emotional, but when people didn't listen or something, I've gotten there and I've, so luckily I got mentors around telling me, hey, you got emotional on that phone call, your job's to not do that. You just shoulder it, let them talk to you, ever how they're going to talk to you and right. say whatever crazy thing they're going to say and then you respond professionally. You just right. let it, you know, you got to do that. So it's like, I'm lucky to have some, some people to to talk to about it and I do I call people all the time you know like I got a mentor working with me and then I call my own all the time so it's helpful for sure to have mentors well everybody needs a coach and no question about that you know if you're going to be good at what you do I mean we all need we all need a coach we all need somebody that can kind of step back and look at it with uh an open mind and with you know not not be involved in it to get get your you need a coach everybody needs a coach and I'm trying to be like real open about how like tracking my career and putting a lot of stuff out there but I think people are so like fakish about like real estate agents try to look like they're doing better than they are sometimes and everybody struggles in the beginning like the very beginning well like, yeah like, you know, so, a lot you know of, they try to I act mean, like they're, they're, they're different they're different kind of real estate agents there are but but a lot of these guys i think kind of remind me of used car salesmen yeah you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so. no i know i don't i don't you know it's like especially down here more so more so in a more competitive market i guess than same Greenwood and that kind of thing. Oh yeah, some of the billboards and silly stuff. I'm like, okay, that's not me. But it it makes it nice for me actually. Like it's yeah, it's competitive, but if you are straight with people and you're not cheesy and you do what you say you're gonna do and you look out for them and you save them when they could have messed up, I think it makes you valuable on the back end. I already know it because I've already seen people do sure. it. I've had well, family I'm, members do know, it and I know. Uh, it. Another old saying, Jeremy, the cream always rises to the top. That's right. 
So I feel good. Every time somebody takes a shortcut, I had somebody not long ago straight up stole a deal from me within the company. And I, something that should have been mine. And it kind of made me like, man, that's not cool. But it, what it made me do was realize like that eventually yields something bad for that person. That well, eventually, well, you know. if I keep, if I keep not losing my cool and I keep doing, I'm going to go boom, 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 up, 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 not. You know, and people are gonna know. Hey, that dude doesn't cut any corners. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. What he says is is true. He's not gonna say something, and it. He's not gonna tell you to do something because it benefits him and not you. Right. You know? Well, you, you, you do that enough times. Saying. Yeah, and you do that enough times. It's like, you know, you, I've already seen it. I see it with my mom. She lost. I know she lost a lot of deals early on because she would not. She just let other people have it or whatever, and just keep going. Like not not fight with them about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, client stolen or whatever it is. You know. She just, and that's kind of my attitude too. The people I work with are a little more, are like, hey, you know, get out there and get after it. But it's just how my family is. We're kind of like, whatever. There'll be something else tomorrow. Absolutely. I'll be there. I'll get Plenty of real estate around. Plenty. And, and, you know, plenty of business for everybody, which is why I don't feel the need to fight about it. It's like, there's so much out here. Somebody's selling every day. I don't care what this market does. Somebody's buying and selling. Mm-hmm. Somebody is. You just got to be the relevant one when it happens. So, anyways, enough about my career. I appreciate yeah. you talking to you me. You on your bike, you better get home. We went over. I got to call my wife. She's she's in Seattle. I said, if you on your bike. Oh no, I'm on my bike. No, I got to call her. She's in Seattle. But thank you, Doctor Adams. Appreciate it. Well, I enjoyed it, Jerry. Let me know when you want to do it again. We will. All right, I just.